You're gonna need a bigger boat. No. I am your father. I'm gonna make him an offer, Captain. Life was like a box of chocolates. Wax on, wax off. I see dead people. Here's Johnny. He's alive. You can't handle the truth. Good morning, Vietnam. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Get away from her, you bitch. What are you, an idiot? Don't call me an idiot, Dixon. I didn't call you an idiot. I asked if you was an idiot. Cinematic Leap. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Cinematic Leap, a movie podcast where we apply six degrees of Kevin Bacon-style process to select our next movie. Each week, we'll watch a movie, provide our review, then take a cinematic leap by selecting an actor, director, or crew member within this pod's movie to choose our next movie. As always, I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Michael Thompson. There are no suitable quotes from this movie that are actually PG. (laughs) No. (laughs) And Glenn Greening. All this anger, man, it... It just begets greater anger. Did did Penelope really say begets? <laughs> she got it off a bookmark. <laughs> I know what a bookmark is. Uh, mm. Very funny. How, How are we, gentlemen? Yeah, good. All going Pretty well? Pretty good. Just watched a film. Um, you may have heard of it. Yes. Yes. Well, I hope so. I just watched it myself. So Yeah. <laughs> so, Glenn, how are you? Yeah, I'm... Uh, I'm excited to get through this podcast so we can watch uh, another movie. Mm. Mm. What movie are you going to watch? Who knows? Oh, the next movie, right, in our podcast. Yes, okay, no, I'm yes. with you now. <laughs> I just thought you were just going to watch another movie. We don't know where go we're going to go. No, yeah, we I could, might go see Blue Beetle. We could plan it all out, but yeah, no, we don't. No. It's all literally done mostly, most of the time on the fly. So, mm. All right, this week we are reviewing the movie Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. It is a 2017 crime drama film. It was written, directed, and co-produced by Martin McDonough. McDonough stars Francis McDormand and oh, stars Francis McDormand. Co-stars Woody Harrelson, Sam Rockwell, John Hawkes, who is our leaper, and Peter Dinklage. Uh, had a budget of twelve to fifteen million. Made one hundred and sixty-two point nine million. So it did very well at the box office. Um, <clears throat> Rotten Tomatoes has an average score of ninety percent. User score, Mm. 87% in terms of people liking it. Uh, Metacritic, 88 out of 100 with a user score of 7.8 and IMDb, 8.1 out of 10. Um, Critics' responses were largely mixed with most praising the performance of McDormand and Rockwell uh, but was criticised in some circles for the plot and its portrayal of rural America. Uh, Also created controversy for how it handled racial themes, particularly around the, the redemption arc of Officer Dixon who we hear multiple times tortured a black prisoner. Allegedly. Uh, <clears throat> true. It wasn't a black prisoner. It was a person of colour. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's nothing to funny. No, that, that, that mean, part's off. That, it's just the way that exchange was funny. trying to argue about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you also missed uh, fellow Aussie Abby Cornish. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I you actually got a Screen Actors Guild Award for the, for the film, I think. Oh, did she? Yeah. Oh. I should have. I, I looked it up going, who is this woman? Abby Cornish. Green actor skill. I should, know, I I should know that because I went through the uh, accolades. At the 75th at Golden Globes, it won Best Motion Picture, Drama, Best Actress. Oh, sorry. Best Motion Picture for a Drama, Best Actress for a Drama, McDormand, uh, and Best Supporting Actor for, it was Sam Rockwell, and Best Screenplay, and was nominated for Best Director and Original Score. Um, 
It won five awards at the 71st British Film Awards, Best Film, Best British Film, Leading Actress, Supporting Actor and Screenplay. Uh, at the 90th Academy Awards, it received seven nominations, including Best Picture, Best Actress, McDormand, Supporting Actor Rockwell and Harrelson and Screenplay. Obviously, there was a couple of others, uh, with McDormand and Rockwell winning. Uh, as a movie, it lost out to Shape of Water and lost out to Get Out, which is a movie we did recently, for Best Original mm. Screenplay. Yeah, that's a hard one to go up against. <clears throat> it's, um, they're both pretty good. All right, Glenn, mm. you chose the leaper, John Hawkes. Why? Oh, I don't even remember choosing <clears throat> the leaper. Um, it would have been because I just, again, didn't know what Michael would pick. Um, and so <clears throat> I thought there were a few options there that were decent. And I guess I think I was hoping from uh, to from dusk till dawn. Um, <clears throat> I was hoping that would get picked, but not surprised that it didn't. Um, but yeah, I wasn't sure which way Michael would take it. But and there was a good variety of movies there. So, hmm. yep, yeah, Michael. I mean, well, I think you were trying to avoid something I would pick, though. <laughs> it was kind of a, like that would have been interesting and great, but oh well. I mean, I thought this wasn't interesting and great. Michael, why did you choose this movie? Um. I guess, you know, it did have a bit of a hype, you know, a while back, mm. and uh, I hadn't seen it. And, hey, doesn't John Hawks look like Glenn? I'm just looking at his picture does, He does. There is a little <laughs> bit does, of uh, similarity there. a little bit of Glenn there, in that yeah. face. Um, in, uh, yeah, so basically, <laughs> sorry, I hadn't seen it, like, you know, and I, I didn't know any, really know anything about it. I thought, you know, taking a little bit of a, a leaf out of Glenn's book and just going, oh, let's give that a whirl. Hmm. So... Yeah. Yep. Glenn, your thoughts when Michael when this movie this? was picked? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I remember seeing this movie, and if you looked at my letterbox last uh, when I looked at it, and I saw that I gave this four and a half out of five, and I thought, well, must be a good movie. That's good. So I was yeah, pretty excited. Um, yeah, this was chosen, and um, was excited for you guys to see something you hadn't seen that I really liked. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I must say, I, I was actually looking forward to seeing this. Um, I had I remember when it came out, there was a lot of hype around it. Uh, and it's a movie that I think I've, I've seen, you know, sort of as an option to choose, but I've never sort of cho- chosen it for some reason. So I was actually looking forward to, again, we're finding a movie that I haven't seen um, and you're sort of getting not forced to watch it, but you're getting that opportunity to watch it where normally you might – you might skip past for something else. Um, so well, I, was, yeah, for, I was really happy when you forces force is semi right. Well, because you know, it's it's a drama. Like and like the I would normally go oh drama skip go into the next one. Give me something you know sci fi or action or hmm. you know combination of those two things or fantasy or like you know comedy. Um, so drama is definitely not my wheelhouse, which I've said many times. But um, you know, and I guess it's like all right, let's pick that. Yeah, and I'm, the, I'm now, the same, and that's probably why I haven't watched it yet. But um, mm. it is one that I've sort of been circling and looking to watch for a while. So when we, when you chose it, Michael, I thought, oh, well, that, that works it out well. Winning. Hmm. All right, Michael, without further ado, play the trailer. What's along what you can and cannot say on a billboard? I assume you can't say nothing defamatory and you can't say fuck, piss, or cunt. that right? Or anus? I think I'll be all right then. I guess you're Angela Hayes' mother. That's right. I'm Angela Hayes' mother. So, Mildred Hayes, why did you put up these billboards? My daughter Angela was murdered seven months ago. It seems to me the police department is too busy torturing black folks to solve actual crime. What the hell is this? 
Dixon. I'm in the middle of my goddamn Easter dinner. Sorry, kids. I know, Chief, but I think we got kind of a problem. Sunshine beating on a good time. I'd do anything to catch your daughter's killer. I don't think those billboards is very fair. The time it took you to get out here whining like a bitch, Willoughby. Some other poor girl's probably out there being butchered right now. We've had two official complaints about those billboards. From who? The lady with a funny eye. A lady with a funny fucking eye? And a fat dentist. There's a lot of good friends of Willoughby in this town, Miss A. Ow! Ah! You didn't happen to drill a little hole in the dentist today, did you? Of course not. Huh? I said, of course not. I'm sorry about Angela, but the town is dead set against these billboards. You know who threw that can? What can? How about you, sweetheart? Uh, no, I, I didn't really. Go, girl. Hey, fuckhead! What? Don't say what, Dixon, when she comes in calling you a fuckhead. Keep a case in the public eye. The better your chances are getting it solved. And when I see the sign. You know, if you hadn't stopped coming to church, you'd have a little bit more understanding of people's feelings. All this anger, man. It just begets greater anger. In three, two, one. And as sad as the spectacle of these billboards might be. This reporter, for one, hopes this finally puts an end to the strange saga of the three billboards outside. This doesn't put an end to shit, you fucking retard. This is just a fucking start. Why don't you put that on your good morning, Missouri fucking wake up broadcast, bitch? Well, <laughs> that's a heck of a start to that trailer. Yeah, I mean, the. Is it like, um. And I, that that trailer is a fair indicator of the amount of swearing that's in the yes. film. Yeah, <laughs> I actually was going to say as soon as you played the intro at the very start of this episode, Michael, I was like, "Well, you had to pick a line with no nothing offensive in it." Like, yeah, you were saving, I mean, saving that for the trailer. The, yeah, technically, the the idiot one is offensive to idiots. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't think I've achieved that. Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh. Very good. All right. Mm. Uh, obviously, Michael, you will be doing the synopsis because you do I will choose be. this movie. As always, people, there will be spoilers throughout this. So if you have not seen this movie and you don't want it spoiled for you, stop the pod, go and watch the movie and come back and listen to our scintillating review. Michael, over to you. All right. Thanks, Scotty. In the fictional town of Ebbing, Missouri, Mildred Hayes is grieving over the rape and murder of her teenage daughter, Angela, seven months earlier. Angry over the lack of progress in the investigation, she rents three d- disused billboards near her home and posts on them, raped while dying, and still no arrests. How come, Chief Willoughby? They, <laughs> they attract attention. So Bill Willoughby, the local police uh, chief of police, visits Mildred, but is unable to persuade her to take them down, even by revealing he has terminal pancreatic cancer. He renews his efforts to solve the case, but does not get anywhere. Many townspeople are upset by the billboards, including Jason Dixon, an alcoholic police officer, who unsuccessfully tries to intimidate Red Welby, who rented Mildred the billboards, into taking them down. Mildred's dentist is sympathetic to Wilby and menaces her during an appointment, so she drills a hole in his thumbnail. Uh, Willoughby brings her in for questioning and accidentally coughs up blood in her face. He has her released and is hospitalised, though he soon checks himself out against medical advice. The billboards have further strained Mildred's relationship with her son, Robbie, and she recalls that her last interaction with Angela was an argument. Mm. Her abusive ex-cop 
ex-husband Charlie confronts her and like, you know, very abusive, um, about the billboards and ends up revealing that shortly before Angela's murder, he had turned down her request to come live with him. Have I missed anything? There's probably some big things that I've missed in there. It's the, this. Look, we found this with Wikipedia. It mm. does go through the synopsis pretty quick. Maybe I should have. That's probably yeah. what I should have done last week because mine was a very long one last week. But um, this one's <laughs> flying through. Bible. Yeah. Um, um, <clears throat> and I guess it might be a good time to comment on it. Um, the I think what's interesting that um, that renting of the billboards thing happens really quick. Yeah. Like it's actually you know. Um, you kind of think that it might work up to it, but it's not. She sees them. She just goes, you know what? I've got a thing. And then it's pretty much the intro. Like, um, you know, that's your first five minutes. Yeah. So, and then it goes from there. Um, yeah. What's the, I guess, what's the first turning point? Well, Where does yeah. it start changing? Well, yeah. I mean, this movie doesn't waste any time in terms of getting, I mean, it tells mm. you what this movie's about at the start and it doesn't waste any time in basically getting to that point. Yeah. yeah as you said, within Which the first good. five minutes. But Yeah. Um, I guess we also you get a fair inter- introduction to the main characters, uh, obviously played by Francis McDormand, Woody Harrelson, uh, and Sam Rockwell. So you know we get introduced and you get a, a pretty good idea of who they are and what sort of characters they are, as well. I mean, you see um, Mil- Mildred, I think it is, yeah, Mildred Hayes. Uh, you know, she's obviously rough and certainly to the point when she goes and sees Red about. You know, sort of getting the advertising. Um, but then she also shows that warm side where she flips the bug over and we see that over and over throughout the movie that she, as hard as she is, she's also got a really soft centre about her. Hmm. Um, you know, we see Sam, Sam Rockwell who plays Officer Dixon. You know, he, he straight away, you know, this bloke's just an absolute drunken nutter. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, Willoughby, played by Woody Harrelson, is that sort of a little bit more calming, mature sort of person, but has also got that hard edge about him. So, hmm. yeah. And certainly, I, I agree with it at this point where you know you think that, like you know about the the um, Rockwell character. What was that one? Um, Dixon. Dixon. Yeah. Um. All right. Where were we? Uh, she calls that a last. Yep. Um. At his mother's suggestion, Dixon arrests Mildred's friend Denise to try on trivial drug ch- um, possession charges to put pressure on Mildred. Willoughby spends an idyllic day with his wife Anne and their two daughters, and then takes his own life. Yeah, that was that was a shock. <laughs> that was a left field. Uh, to spare his family from watching him die slowly, was not you know did not expect that. No, that, kinda, no, that come yeah right out of left field that one. Hmm. Um, Dixon reacts to the news by assaulting Welby and throwing him out a second-story window. <laughs> this is witnessed by Abercrombie, Willoughby's replacement, who fires Dixon. Uh, before his death, Willoughby writes several letters, including one to Mildred, and delivers it, interrupting an unknown man who was menacing Mildred at work. In the letter, uh, Willoughby tells Mildred that she was not a factor in his suicide and that he secretly paid to keep the billboards up another month. Oh, that was that was really nice. Hmm. Yeah, I did like that. Um, yeah, I, it's interesting at this point, like you know, where you kind of really, and it's you know, there's stereotypes that were set up at the start of the film, but this like you know really kind of starts playing into this idea that these are actually really complex characters. These aren't you know your your black and white stereotypes, and like they're not kind of you know this is a um, this is a bad cop or you know this is a you know 
this is a drunk card. There's actually complexity around these characters. You know, they are more human than um, than just our, like the stereotypes that you might. I guess are set up early. So, because mm. um, you kind of think that Willoughby is going to be a bit more of a dick, but he's actually you know there's more complex to it. Yeah, his letters are actually quite quite fun and quite funny mm. to listen to. And I think yeah, those sort of things can go badly in a movie, but I thought they actually worked well in this. Um, mm. With the you know where they're reading letters and you just get the voiceover. Um, at times it doesn't always work, but I thought in this it it did. I thought it was well yeah. done. Hmm. Um. After the billboards are destroyed by arson, Mildred retaliates by tossing Molotov cocktails at the police station, which he believes to be unoccupied for the night. However, Dixon is on side reading Willoughby's letter to him, which advises him to let go of hate and embrace love if he wants to be a detective someday. He manages to escape the blaze with Angela's case file. James, an acquaintance of Mildred, happens by and extinguishes Dixon's burning clothes before providing Mildred, Mildred with an alibi. Dixon is put in the same hospital room as Welby, <laughs> to whom he apologises. And Welby gives him an orange juice. He does. He's like, I think the big thing about with this so far is that, that reveal of the fight, which I know we, we talked about it before, but the reveal of the fight between... Um, Mildred and her daughter, um, where she goes, oh, yeah, and no, my luck, I'll probably get raped on the way. And she goes, oh, I hope you do get raped. And you just sort of sit there and you go, oh, like of all the bad things that you could possibly say, I mean, it's an average mm. thing to say anyway. Anytime, yeah. But then you could just imagine the, the guilt that she would feel and you can you mm. can sort of, I guess, see why, you know. This is eating at her, which it would anyway, but it would be, I think it would just tug that extra little bit more because of that. Yeah. It's, um, and it's interesting, like, you know, the, there's kind of so called, you know, sort of reaching out for moments of empathy. And like, there was one for the priest who, like, you know, God says, like, you know, if you still came to church, we'd still be supporting. It's like, well, man, you kind of, you don't get it. You know, I don't think you, you know, and, um, you really hope there are a few people that could get it. Um, but, like, there's a lot of, you know, pain that's there. Like, you know, it's kind of daughter raped and murdered, you know, no justice. And that's kind of, that's something that's not actually really said. She doesn't say, like, you know, when someone says, why are you doing this? Like, I want injustice for my daughter. Like, you know, that's ultimately what it's about. Um, but you never really hear her, hear her articulate that, particularly when there's a couple of moments when it's kind of implied during the asking. I think, like, Charlie, the husband, is kind of sort of, you know, um, like, there's a perfect opportunity to say, like, this is for justice, like, you know. I want to kill a to justice. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Blaze James. Uh, yep. Okay. Jerome, who was part of the team that put up the billboards, brings Mildred a set of copies and helps her restore the signs. Discharged from hospital, Dixon overhears the man who menaced Mildred bragging in a bar about raping a girl in the same manner as Angela. He notes the number of the man's Idaho license plate and then scratches the man's face to get a DNA sample, passively accepting the resulting uh, resulting beating. Mildred is on a date with James to thank him for his help when Charlie enters with his 19-year-old girlfriend, Penelope, and apologises for burning the billboards when he was drunk. Ah, oh, that was a turn. That was a turn, uh, yeah. I wasn't yeah. expecting that. Yeah. Unnerved that she retaliated against the wrong target, Mildred abruptly calls off the date, but James misinterprets her decision as embarrassment to be seen with him and leaves the restaurant in disgust. Um, 
Abercrombie informs Dixon that the DNA sample is not a match and the man was overseas on a military duty at the time of Angela's death. Dixon gives Mildred the disappointing news and believing the man to be guilty of some other rape, the pair planned a trip to Idaho to kill him. As they set out, Mildred confesses that she set the police station on fire, which Dixon had already assumed. They both expressed... That was a, that was a moment. Um, they both expressed uncertainty about their mission, but Mildred says they can decide uh, what to do along the way. The end. Hmm. End movie. Hmm. All right. Uh, over to our categories, cast and characters. Indeed. Frances McDormand. We'd obviously have to start with her. Well, yeah. She was number one on the list. Mildred yep. Hayes. Glenn, thoughts? She's a very good actor. Hmm. Um, just the first. She won, I believe shot, she won an award for it. The first shot of her eyes in the rear, I think it was her eyes in the rearview mirror. She just from that shot straight away, you could see how she just. I don't know how she an actor can do it with just their eyes, but she looked sad. Like just, she looked sad. She looked. I don't know if the anger was in the eyes there, but she would definitely look sad at the very first shot. And I was like, wow. And yeah, she just she did it really well. This really angry person, but also really sad. Just wanting, wanting someone to pay for what they did. Yeah, yeah. she was good. Yeah, um, and she's and always very much had that. I mean, yeah, yeah, very much had like gave like acted that you know no more fucks to give kind of um, yeah attitude. Like you know, it's a, um, I was watching with Cara and like you know uh, she said oh she's my hero already like you know she's great but really you know that is the um, the kind of drive of a person who's really like you know just out for revenge justice like you know doesn't really care. No. All she wants is answers. That's all she wants. Mm. And she's yeah. not going to stop at anything. There was the actual, the second the second thing I wrote in my notes, uh, McDormand comes in and immediately is a force already. Like from the opening scenes, she was just, she took over. She she completely, um, yeah, you could just tell you're going, okay, sit back, I can watch, I'm going to watch a really good performance here. Mm. And deliver through it. Yeah, as the lead you'd probably want to have that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, I mean, we say that, but it doesn't always happen. But she was no. just phenomenal and she just stood out. Her ability to have mm. that hard edge and then you can still see in the same scene she can go from being absolute, like an absolute hard ass, but yet still deliver those soft moments uh, and also deliver some really funny lines. Like, yeah, she had some um, cracking one-liners throughout this movie. So, I think that you could you could probably say that most of the film has some mm. interesting one-liners. Um and it, it plays with its, like, there's definitely sort of undertones of, like, you know, the um, the nature of uh, small southern towns in Missouri or, like, you know, in country America. Um, but, like, you know, that sort of underlying racism and um, and it, you kind of go, ooh. And, like, there's, some, you know, that whole people of colour sort of thing. And, like, it's a horrific kind of idea, but... You know, it playing off that PC kind of aspect to it. It's like, you know, well, we don't say the N-word anymore. We say people of colour yeah. torturing, not. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, that's oh right. God, just stop. Just, <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was very well written. Yeah. So I think if we go from one outstanding performance, we can probably mention the next one who also got nominated and won multiple awards for it. That was Sam Rockwell, uh, mm. who played Officer Jason Dixon. Yeah. What a performance! He, yeah, he seems to good. he seems to play these roles really well. That someone says he's a good actor. 
Well, he, he's an outstanding actor, mm. but he just plays mm. these sort of asshole, deadbeat sort of characters really well. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's what you want to be as an actor, but well, like you know, <laughs> he, you've got to wonder if there's some typecasting there. But every time when he's in this I sort think of like, role, and it's and it's the you know you've mentioned the controversy about a redemption arc for this sort of this sort of guy, um, and. You know, and that's where the complexity of character comes from. Like, you know, he could have absolutely just been this antagonist to the whole thing. And, you know, you do, you know, I'm sure people, audience members wondered at some point, was he the guy that did it? Like, you know, but, um, you know, then we kind of see his kind of, you know, the letter and like, you know, he's, and in a sense, there's some visual stuff there. He's, he's reading the letter. He then leaps out through the fire as is reborn. Like, you know, there's that kind of, you know, that is his moment where he's like, you know, he's, Leaping out of the fire, Ruben as the phoenix. Mm. Um, and then we see him on a, you know, he's on a redemption arc. He's kind of being better. Like, you know, he apologizes to Welby, even though it's horrific stuff. And then, you know, um, and the opportunity, and like hinted at in the letter that he's kind of, you know, it might be some dumb overhearing conversation in the bar that, you know, some someone might hear. Um, yeah, there was some, it was nice. It was a good, you know, complex sort of performance. Yeah, it's good. Gwen? Yeah, he's a good actor, but I disagree that he <clears throat> um, was reborn or whatever. I mean, oh, he's come a bad, on. he was a bad that person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> he was a bad person and a bad character, and I didn't. That's what I didn't like. It was like that we're supposed to be cheering him on at the end of the movie, where he's actually racist, tortures black people, beats up. You know, only gets in trouble when he beats up a white guy. Um, and he didn't even get charged or anything. He just got fired. No, he um, did get fired. I was I was absolutely thinking, wasn't this guy arrested for that whole thing? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and oh, a, a letter from a man he's known three years just changes him straight away. You know? Yeah. I thought that was a little bit short in time, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I mean, three years. Oh. His redemption arc was that he was going to commit murder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ultimately, that's apparently yeah. that's his well. They're all actually. They're all not the, the characters in this film. They're all kind of um, flawed. Well, they're just not good people. Like mm. um, even Woody Harrelson. Like he's he's looking the other way. This he's got this racist cop beating up, torturing uh, people, and not doing anything about it. And we're still supposed to like him because he's supposed to be a good guy because he has cancer. Like he's mm. not, he, he hasn't done anything about, you know, he's, he's police and they're not, they're not good people. And no. obviously Francis McDormand is a bit, a little bit unhinged with like, I mean, a little up bit. a police station and, yeah. uh, you know, things like that. And the dentist thing. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Let's, let's not forget <laughs> how she like, you know, um, in response to like a can being thrown in a car, she then kicks a, a teenager in the in the balls, and then <laughs> a girl in the in the box. Like you know, yeah. Um, this is not this is not the general kind of responses of a woman who is socially adjusted. No, no. I assume. I mean, I'm making an assumption. I don't know. I might be. It's a bit ridiculous, really. But I mean, she's such a good actor that she gets you get away with it. But uh. yeah. <laughs> Despite well, all that, you're still <laughs> you're still hoping that she wins. I mean, obviously, there's a reason why yeah. you want to. You always want to find, you know, justice for a rape victim. Mm. But um, yeah, despite how unhinged she was, you you probably can sort of think of it in her point of view and 
you'd probably be pretty pissed as well. But um, speaking of Woody Harrelson, uh, another actor who I really like, um, what do we think of Woody? He's very good. He played Willoughby. Like, you know, um, uh, I glanced at a bit of it when I was kind of getting some of the, like when I was getting the trailer together, I glanced at some of this. And I honestly thought, like, you know, all right, this is going to be that sort of, you know, that corrupt cop kind of aspect. Like, you know, he's a bit of a, um, uh, yeah, like, dirty, that sort of stuff. But really it kind of, I suppose in, you know, one, there's an element of realism in the sense that solving crime takes time, you know, and sometimes you don't get answers and um, that aspect. And, um, and... Also limited, you know, the kind of hints at that um, at people not being necessarily brilliant at their jobs. Yeah. Well, um, you look at the rest know. of the police officers; mm. they don't come across as um, geniuses. Yeah. No. No, they don't. And well, I'll... except for Abercrombie. Yeah. Like he got, he looks smart. I reckon in the sequel he'll crack that case. And I think too, <laughs> it, it is one of those things that there's only so much. I mean, it's not a, it's not a. It's not a TV show sort of thing where they're trying to they so they're, all of a sudden there's heaps of evidence and heaps of DNA and they go to CSI and everything works out beautifully. I mean, I'm assuming real police work doesn't actually work like that. Like, there's probably a lot of unsolved cases, and this is something similar. You know, the DNA it doesn't match anyone, doesn't match anyone that they know or who's been previously convicted. Like, what are we supposed to do? And as you know, Mildred says, "You will take a blood sample." From everyone in town, he's going. Well, there's, yeah, kind of civil rights that stop us from just doing that. So, yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, and you know, they there was no eyewitnesses, so nobody could identify any potential suspects. So maybe it is as unfortunate as, and that's how simple these sort of things are. Sometimes if there's just no evidence, what are you supposed to do? Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, um, <clears throat> apparently uh, Anna before just told me a stat. I don't know where she got it from or if it's real, but she said if you get murdered in America, there's only one in three chance you'll, your killer will be found or whatever. Like a lot of these things are unsolved, so it's mm. it's real. It's kind of more real than your crime shows where they solve it every week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, within an hour <laughs> of mm-hmm. the show starting. So. Mm. <clears throat> All right, who's next? Um, uh, I was going to throw up Lucas Hedges. Some, we, we talk about who is the son, Robbie Hayes. Oh, and we really? talk about, I guess we talk about there's been, a, there's a lot of characters in this that are flawed. Um, I don't think, I mean, right, I don't think Robbie's necessarily totally socially adjusted, but he's probably one of the few that I think does have quite a lot of redeeming features as a, mm-hmm. as a character. Uh, and I thought, Lucas Hedges was a standout in that role. I thought he he was excellent. Yeah. Um, very bit partish though. But yeah, oh, he, he was in yeah. Put a best, but he played his role perfectly. Yeah, you know, he was funny. Yeah. He was engaging. Yeah, he showed that strong side when he needed to, and yeah. Hmm. Um. Who else? Well, I mean, you know, if you're going to the smaller roles, you have got Abby Cornish, mm-hmm. the wife. Um, it was hard to kind of pick her accent at the start. It's like, well, that's not American. Um, yeah. Yeah. And odd. And like that kind of, their, their relationship is a bit odd. Like, you know, it was, um, I guess, playful in a sense. It's like, you know, ah, oh, when you die, I'm going to shoot your horses. It's like, what? 
<laughs> Emily, she was um, drunk at the time. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, that was but nice. the nineteen-year-old like a- girlfriend was a bit, um, a bit <laughs> overplayed, funny. a bit overdone. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was funny, I guess, but it was yeah. gosh, it was very. Uh, what's the word? I don't know. <laughs> they played on her stupidity a lot. Mm. Or innocence yeah, yeah. and naivety. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Um, yes. Although she did quote that. Baguettes. Baguettes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she probably the, thinks um, it's a French word for bread. But then, yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was such a, like when we first meet, it was such a, like, you know, we've just seen Charlie explode, um, you know, in violence at, towards like, you know, um, Mildred. Um, and it's holding up against the wall. Robbie is coming around and he's kind of got a knife to his throat. And then Penelope says, is this a good time? This is probably not a good time. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> wow. You know, and it's a, it's an interesting, you know, it's a horrendous moment in, in terms of like, you know, obviously this is what, you know, she was talking about the abusive ex kind of stuff. Um, but it, I guess, like, you know, where it was going to go is, like, you know, there's obviously the threat of the knife. Um, you know, it kind of pulls that apart, you know, in an awkward way, but allows the movie to kind of go on. Yeah. I suppose. Hmm. So. And clearly the way, how quickly it de-escalated, it seems to be that this isn't an uncommon situation for anybody no. to be in. Hmm. Um, Who played Penelope? John Hawkes played the husband. Yeah. Who was our leaper. Um, and the last one's Peter Dinklage. I like Peter Dinklage as an actor. Mm, indeed. He's, I think he's just, he's good in everything he does. Yeah, it's true. Like, you know, he's, um, he can do it all. Mm. Can do it all. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if you guys have seen, um, the Croods too. Um, oh, he's amazing in it. He plays like, you know, the, um, uh, one of the, you know, the, uh, someone betterman. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a funny film. Nick Cage, he's in it as the, like, you know, one of the characters. Um, animated, but hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah. No, Glenn's right. He can do anything. He's, he can do comedy. Mm. He can do, he can be evil. Yeah. He can obviously do the action and stuff like that. He was in Game of Thrones and he was absolutely outstanding in that. So, yeah. <clears throat> Gravitas, that man. Gravitas. Yeah. Uh, favorite um, again, like oh sorry, Michael. oh sorry, just you know, like you know, again, but I guess the you know just that kind of the offensive kind of space it was in, like you know the kind of the um you know mentioning midgets and you know racist kind of language and um there's a comment about um gay people from like you know the the number of times from the cops um it's like wow is this what the South sounds like? And I guess that might come back to the controversy you were talking about earlier, mm. like, you know, is portrayal of, you know, small town America like this or is that just a dramatisation? I mean, you know, um, has someone kind of gone, let's really ham this up and mm. put them up as stupid and, yeah. Yeah, is it a trope or is it legitimate? Mm. So, yeah, interesting. All right. Uh, Favourite scene? Glenn? Oof. It's hard to pick a favourite in this because it's all pretty full on. Um, and I guess my favourite scene, just for the shock value, not because it was enjoyable, but it, it I mean, it looked good. 
the way they did it, but just when um, Sam Rockwell goes across the street, goes up the stairs, and just throws that guy out the window, and mm. just beat beats him up. It was just for the shock value and for the just yeah that moment. I don't yeah, know. That, that's probably one of one tracking one shot of my favorites. Mm. Yeah, <clears throat> and it was just um yeah, I mean yeah it wasn't nice, but it was just a a good part of the film that stuck with me, I guess. And um yeah. It's it's interesting you mention that one, Glenn, because there's a there's always this threat of violence throughout the whole film, like you know, in various spots, um, and I think that's kind of one of the harder parts of it. Like you know, it's that kind of tension about the threat of the violence rather than the actual violence itself. Um, uh, you know, there's a bit where Mildred is in the restaurant towards the end of the film, and she's got the bottle of wine, and mm. and Charlie looks genuinely scared. That yeah, she, you know, she's going to clobber him, and um, you know, they get into each other's you know personal space a lot. Um, there was the whole, you know, strange guy in the in the shop. So, yeah, there's like there's a lot of stuff that's kind of you're on the edge with that worried. That's a lot of good acting. Hmm. Yeah, and and he, and he just beats that guy up in the street, and there's all these witnesses, and you just think, oh my gosh, this guy is just going crazy. But nothing happens to him. Like, we, hmm. Yeah, we got fired. No, I'm sorry. I feel he does any work anyway. But anyway, yeah, the, <laughs> the brand new boss is right there. It's like, what are you looking at? He says that to him. And he comes to him in a later. I'm the new boss. It's like, you're out. Ah. It just makes you think, what has this guy got away with in the past that he just thinks he can just do this? Yeah. Mm. Well, I remember I was watching this with Train and she's just like, oh my God, what is he doing? Like when he smashes through the door at the start and walks up the stairs and you're like, oh, this is not going to end well. I didn't expect him to throw me out the window, but um, yeah. No, it was a good yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a favourite scene, but it's a very well done scene. Mm, <laughs> tensions were high. Yeah. Michael, um, is it is, one that came to mind first? Was actually the the um, scene with uh, oh, what's his face? Um, oh, Chief Willoughby and his wife and these kids, and he's explaining the game, like the fishing game. Yep. Um, and then and you know, even though I might not look at, mum and dad are watching intently, so you need to be playing the game. Um, and then, like, you know, it sort of, like, goes, uh, we aren't. And it's like, oh, we are. And it's like, you know, they obviously go up and, you know, have a bit of sex. Hmm. Um, yeah, you want to leave your kids alone in the middle of nowhere when there's a rapist on the loose. Um, like just leave your kids smart. near a river. He's not, he's smart not move. wise parenting. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and you never see the kids again. Oh, no, you do. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like anyway, that was a that was an interesting scene. Um, the oh, I guess the uh, there was some you know the there were some moments there where you kind of thought it was interesting, and the like when the the guy comes um, and says, "Well, we print duplicates of these things just in case something bad happens to them," you know, I was like, "Oh, that's nice." So, um, and I really enjoyed uh, Willoughby's letter to Mildred, like you know. I'm the one who paid for it, you know, so a bit of a, you know, like the last joke on you, haha, you know. Um, yeah, so I don't know, there's lots of nice dramatic moments to it and sort of not nice things, but yeah. yeah. The other the other favourite scene I forgot to mention of mine is um, the one after the credits where they reveal that Chief Willoughby is a rapist. I don't think that's true, though. No. Well, oh, yeah. Sorry, I made that up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I owe oh, yeah, a couple. Yeah. Uh, Outtake. 
<laughs> I enjoyed the um, the scene with the priest at the house where he starts saying you should take the signs down and people are upset. And she goes, oh, what have you taken a poll? And he goes, well, yeah, people have said to me and 12 people come up to me, so yes, I've taken a poll. And then she goes on about that big story about the Crips and the Bloods and that if you're part of a gang and a murder happens over the, on the other side of the street but you're on the corner and you're wearing the colours and basically you're, you're, you're sort of guilty by association and you know, blah, blah, blah. And then how she goes on about that whole rant about, you know, he, he should start looking at himself with priests and, you know, what they do to altar boys and all. I just thought mm. it was this complete evisceration of this character. She she just takes him down big time. Like he's accusing her of, you know, doing the wrong thing and she just absolutely destroys him. I just thought it was, again, it's this sign that this person isn't taking any shit from anybody. doesn't matter who yeah. you are. Do you know what that reminded me of? Um, I guess there's a lot of activists out there. They're doing um, interesting stuff. And I guess that's possibly because traditional activism hasn't working. You know, lobbying people's not working. You know, doing like protests are not working. So they're actually out there kind of, you know, damaging artworks or, you know, doing other things. Um, you know, holding up traffic. And you kind of, they, and it's interesting because you often hear people go, I agree with the message, just not what they're doing. And it's like, well, you're not doing anything, are you? Like, so they're clearly doing something to get your attention, to get that message at the forefront of what you're thinking. So, yeah. but all that does is, is it, more often than not, it's just piss people off and actually pushes people away from their message. Well, this is the whole thing. But, you know, does it, you know, whilst it has pissed you off, like, you, you, it brings it back. And, like, that's exactly what Mildred does. Like, you know, she's pissed a few people off, but, you know, people mm. working back on her thing. So, you know, I, I kind of. I thought, like, you know, that's what I, that, that, that scene reminded me of that yeah. aspect. It's like, you know, well, you know, yeah, maybe people should piss people off, like, you know, in that regard. And maybe we will get, like, you know, you do get change and that kind mm. of stuff. So, well, it got people um, talking, which is what she wanted. Yeah, exactly. Put pressure on. Um, and the other one is just after Willoughby kills himself, and you, we're in, we're in the police oh. station, and you've got um, Dixon, he's listening to Abba, mm. and he's sort of dancing around, he's mucking around. You can see all the people in the background are just all consoling each other and absolutely gutted. Yeah. And he obviously doesn't know at this stage and comes in and, yeah, they scare the crap out of him and then he then obviously finds out, which is which is a, a tough scene. But just that moment yeah, where he's just so happy and, and you can just see in the background, it's really well shot. They're just all yeah. grieving and really upset. Mm. So, uh, all right, notable aspects. Um, one aspect is that scene that you like, Scott, was actually terrible um, because I just that priest scene, I was like, there was no, that character appeared in that one scene and there was no point, like he, he wasn't in the movie before then, he wasn't in the movie after then, he was just in that scene for some reason so she could have this rant, which... Would have probably made more sense if she was talking about police and them as a gang and them as a group that protect each other. Um, it would have fit more in with the movie if it was police, not a priest who's not been in the film this whole time and he's never seen again. And she, anyway, I, I just really didn't like that scene for that reason. It just come from out of nowhere. Yeah, but I think I think a priest is would be representative of what it's like in <clears throat> my assumption, um, a small American town. Where you know religion is such a big thing in America, so I think him coming over to talk to her and you know basically you know find God and you know if you'd stayed with us you know you'd be you'd have the support and all of that sort of stuff. So I think you know she's basically heard that and she's gone. Hang on, let's don't start saying that you're 
all high and mighty, like you guys mm. have done some pretty terrible things over the journey. And that's why I just – just the takedown of this guy that's that's criticising her and saying you should take it down because people are upset. She's like, as Michael said, she obviously wants to make wants to make noise about this uh, and mm. absolutely just destroys him. So, yeah. And I guess it's, it's also simple, like, you know, whilst, you know, we don't see him again, or, you know, before or after – um, I guess it's symbolic about like you know someone trying to reach out, and this like character is kind of closed off. Um, so yeah, potentially it's like you know whilst you know you know how he goes about it's not necessarily the best way. Like you know she is going to burn her bridges. Yeah. Um, I mean it's no different to the dentist. We don't see him again either. No. Um, but she. Destroys his thumb. His, yeah. yeah. Yeah, destroys his thumb. She doesn't do a big soliloquy to him, really. Like, no. no, she just drills into his thumb. She just makes me more, oh, even more scared of dentists now. It's interesting because the sheriff, uh, the chief does the say a similar thing in that, like, you know, um, what the doctor's bringing up, like, you know, oh, like, you know, the, the billboard thing is a, you know, is a bit shit. He's going, ah, oh, don't want to hear it. Like, you know, he, you know, basically. You know, rips something out of his arm, throws it into a wall, blood splatter. Um, you know, and he's out. Like, you know, and she does a similar thing. He's about like, you know, he goes, oh, you know, those billboards is like, you know, nut. Thank you into your arm. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of in some ways they're similar characters. Uh, are there One notable that... aspects, Glenn? Uh, let me see. Uh, I think I've already meant. No, not really. No. Mm. Yep, Michael. I liked the color aspects of it. I was like, you know, the like you really got a set, like you know, since you were in the country, it's green. Like you know, the um, there was the fields, of, you know, the town stuff was kind of small. Um, so that was nice. So the, I think the setting aspect was kind of uh, well chosen. Um, the oh, look at what's in my head. The it's one of those films that doesn't have. A rock solid conclusion, um, which is always is a point of frustration for me. Like I was like, oh, I hate that. Um, I think it's better than you know. It's uh, certainly I'd rate it higher than No Country for Old Men, um, and the Banshees of Indiana Sharon or whatever it was. Um, they were they really kind of got my goat. But the its conclusion, you know, the ambiguous conclusion is like, all right, well, you know, it wasn't as bad, but like you know, certainly like you know. It's it's really like you're watching a TV show, and it's the end of the episode, and you're waiting for the next episode. It's like that sort of ending. That's always frustrating for me. Um, the, I like those endings. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I know you do. <laughs> I I'm not a fan. Um, the it can be what you want it to be. <laughs> yeah, oh, I don't know. Just decide for me. Just commit to a story, like. They go on a murderous rampage. That's what I want to know. Like you know, I want to see them like you know shoot, and then they're on a spree, and then suddenly they're on trial. Finish the finish the goddamn. Thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> extra. <hour. clears throat> Mildred wanted. Um, after going on a murder spree in her local town. Um, what else was uh, notable? The I think it was well paced. I think you know the um in terms of oh, Scott says no. <sighs> the, um. I think for a drama, like it could have, um, 
it well, I mean, it's, it was rough in some spots in terms not of the actual thing, but I think like it has dramatic turns that are quite big. Like you know, it, it swung wide on a dramatic turn, but the actual kind of how it was taking you along, kind of like it, it generally kept ticking over. The very um, first shot, or the very first uh, thirty seconds of this movie, the music starts and it's shots of whatever it is, scenery, countryside, yeah. and there's this music, and the music just made me think, oh, this is going to be boring. This is going to be a long, boring movie because it just had that music that that music that goes with long, boring movies at the start. But then it got into it real quick. Yeah. Um, but that music at the start didn't fit. <laughs> no. Mm. Anything else, Michael? Um, I think they're my things. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't really have any. I think I've, apart from the performances and, you know, yeah. I've got one more. It's a notable aspect that was missing. Ooh. Was it solving the crime? Mm. No, I think I think this movie needed vampires. <laughs> what am I? Yeah, that would have been good. Well, you know, it just it feels like that town. Thing, it just feels like uh, should be vampires there. I don't know. It just felt like it. It's a bit far yeah. away from uh, Mexico, so probably not. I feel like it would have made it a really, a really uh, probably a better movie too. Just a few um, vampires on the loose. So for me, Michael, I mean, you say this is well paced. I thought this was slow. Really? And not just slow, faster glacier than, slow. Like it's I, faster than The Fugitive. No. The Fugitive <coughs> yeah, actually absolutely. moved and had a point. This oh, just, it did not. <laughs> I mean, This yeah. was much faster than Jesse James. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. That was oh, a, that's, oh, but that's God. nothing. That's, that's not a bragging point. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, like I've listened to a few, of our other po- other, a few of our other pods and I think, you know, Glenn's made the point that Total Recall, oh, I thought it was a bit slow and boring, didn't move very fast and he said the same thing about Out of Sight and then he agreed with Michael that this moved well and I'm just going, my God, like massive cruise liners have turning circles that go a lot quicker than what this movie did. Like this thing was <laughs> glacier slow. So, um, yeah. Uh, I, look, I didn't say that. It was a very well put together film. I thought the overall cinematography was was fantastic. Like you said, Michael, the colours and everything else. I thought it was shot well. That the that one tracking shot of you know watching Dixon go up the stairs and beat the crap out of Red, and um, you got a pretty good feel for this small town. Although I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of the town and full of vampires. Yeah, yeah, that would have been good. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I thought the humour throughout was well done. It breaks up the movie. Um, and it comes a lot of times. It comes as a bit of a shock, and it can be quite cutting. But I feel that's that sarcastic humour is is probably what you get in sort of small towns. And I know that's sort of humour we probably run with a lot of the time as well in our group. So um, yeah, other than that, oh, and the name the name's too long. It's not Jesse James long, but it's too long. It's stupid. Stupid words outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah, I mean it's an accurate name for the title. Yep. You know, Star Wars is set in space. It's like, you know, there are walls in the stars. Three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Yep. It tells you where it is. True. Snakes on a plane. Snakes on a plane. Yep. Snakes I like on it plane. because of that reason. Yep. Jaws. It's about jaws. Yep. And sharks and snapping stuff. So, you know, hmm. I think it's just following a, a long-held tradition of naming things. True. It's stupid. Properly. still a stupid. Not <laughs> far too long. Uh, all right. <laughs> questions. Anyone have any questions? Who did it? Who was the, who was the rapist? Train was sure it was Dixon. She yeah, assumed, kind of like the, she assumed oh, that that was where him. we'll get. That was the conclusion we're coming to. Hmm. Um. Yeah. I. I mean, maybe it was one of. Uh, you know, maybe it wasn't. Uh, like you know, sort of. Um, 
out-of-town pickup guy, but maybe it was one of his friends. Maybe. Yeah, because, you know, rapist guy could have actually, you know, started a few times, and then, of course, like, his friends are copycatting. So I reckon there's a lead. Probably could have looked into it further, hmm. found out who his friends were. Yep. I, it wasn't Dixon. He was so sure he had it. He was so sure he had the DNA. Oh, I didn't, yeah. Digit. At the start, yeah. Trim was like, oh, it's got to be him, uh, surely. Yeah, but after he's reborn through fire. <clears throat> <sighs> I, I only it's had to... one question, which was, did Dixon get out of hospital quick? Like, it felt certainly like quite, it, felt like he was had bandages all over him, and the next thing you know, he's in a pub. Like, uh, he wasn't even that burnt that much, was he? Uh, and what sort of hospital puts you, puts a violent thug in a room with a guy he beat up? <laughs> well, that's a very good point. It's yeah. a hospital with two rooms. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's the biggest yeah. hospital, but it's a know. very good point, Glenn. And, uh, I mean, this, and, and, and the other question is this 19-year-old, yes, she come across as quite dumb, but she saw her boyfriend choking a girl, a woman against the wall and being quite violent, and she's like, oh, this, oh, this is not a good time, but, you know, it's fine, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Well, maybe he isn't. Maybe he's just like you know, she's um, she's already going through the abuse. Mm. Anyway, don't leave me, baby. I'll hurt myself. Terrible things like that. Mm. Uh, the only other thing I had was a tidbit, and Dixon's mummy's not a nice person. She's horrendous, isn't she? <laughs> she's a, just a horrible. A- hor- she just mixes in that town well because she's a horrible person. Mm. So it's like what. All right. Anyone else? I want uh, to see no. the um. I want to see the short prequel film where Woody Harrelson goes to holiday in Australia and finds a twenty-one year younger wife and brings her mm, back to this Abby, little Abby town. This little- <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Yes. No, I've got nothing else. Nothing else, Mogul. Um. No, that's it. No. Nope. Well, who who did it? Who mm. did it? Over to you for Mogul. Conclude your goddamn films. Um, writer and director Martin McDonough was inspired to write the movie after seeing billboards about an unsolved crime while travelling somewhere deep in the Georgia, Florida, Alabama corner. Deep. It's interesting when somewhere is like, you know, oh, this is down, it doesn't say deep, but like it sounds, when they talk about the deep south, it's like, it's all, why is that a thing? There's a different part of America. Um, Frances McDormand was hesitant to take the role of Mildred when offered to her, but was eventually convinced by her husband, Joel Cohen. She said, because at the time he gave it to me, I was 58. I was concerned that women from this socioeconomic strata did not wait until 38 to have their first child. So when so we went back and forth and we debated that quite uh, for, quite, a, for a, quite for a while. That's that's something weird uh and they finally then finally my husband said just shut up and do it go Joel Cohen uh Martin McDonald wrote the screenplay with Frances McDormand in mind for her for the lead role uh the base of the story is from actual events in uh, Vidor Texas outside of Beaumont Texas uh the police ignored both the facts and the parents of a poor girl who was murdered in 1991 by an alleged hometown hero from an old money family <sighs> horrendous makes it even worse um, as the police have done nothing, the billboards are still up on Interstate 10. Wow. Um, Woody Harrelson would often use his breaks from shooting to sign autographs and take pictures with locals who had come to watch the filming. 
During the extended break one day, he played an impromptu guitar performance at the music store next to the police station set. Ah, oh, go love Woody. Hmm. Um, production staff welcomed locals to watch outdoor scenes being filmed at public locations, provided they were not disruptive. Each shooting day, crowds would form to watch the proceedings, often upward of 100 people. During breaks and shooting, the actors and actresses would approach the crowds to sign autographs and take pictures. Uh, there is no town named Ebbing. Um, the film was uh, it was filmed in a small mountain town of Silver, North Carolina. Uh, in addition to gaining weight, Sam Rockwell wore padding to make his character appear chubbier. Um, Frances McDormand's Oscar for Best Actress, which she received for this film, was stolen the day after the awards oh, ceremony and, and immediately retrieved. Did she get three billboards uh, out she, somewhere in LA and did she get the case solved? I, I don't think so. Should have. Uh, yep. Um, though it was initially supposed to be a simple task, Sam Rockwell's accent research was very involved. According to dialect coach Elizabeth Himmelstein, Rockwell likes to find authentic people and record them for their accent references. Himmelstein watched an episode of Cops from Springfield, Missouri, and tweeted the police department requesting an interview with the chief of police. Not long afterwards, Himmelstein and Rockwell Skyped with the officer and learned about his life and job. The officer actually came up with a word clank for, j- um, for jail. I've heard that before. Um... Uh, she says Sam brought that to Martin and he agreed to put that word in the script. Uh, then she says the officer made a recording of himself saying all the Rock, uh, Rockwell's lines. From there, Sam studied the recordings. There you go. That's why he's such a good actor. Um, the bandana Mildred wears is a homage to the Deer Hunter, of which Martin McDonough and Sam Rockwell are avid fans. During the filming of Seven Psychopaths, they often discuss the movie with Christopher Walken. Mm. Haven't seen it. Um, the movie, oh, yeah, I haven't seen it. Uh, the movie that Dixon's mother is watching with Donald Sutherland and his dead girl is "Don't Look Now," directed by Nicholas Rogue. Uh, this movie was alluded to in Martin McDonough's feature film in Bruges. Oh, good film. In this film, uh, Francis McDormand's character parallels Donald Sutherland's character in that they are both driven by the guilt and grief of losing their daughter. Um. A couple more. The prop department meticulously studied the various font options for the text on the titular billboard. The font they eventually chose was Impact. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that would be the graphics department. Um, Surely we're getting to the end of trivia if we're talking about the fonts. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a good one, though. <laughs> um, yeah. There we go. That's All it. right. <laughs> Time for our final thoughts and rating. Obviously, we do rate out of 10. 10 being a fantastic movie, 0 being a terrible movie, and 5 being somewhere in between. Michael, I'll leave you to last. Um, I'll go first. Uh, so in this movie, you've got two really strong performances, two obviously award-winning performances, um, performances that show great range and acting ability. McDormand and Rockwell are exceptional Um as are most of the surrounding cast. Um, it's just unfortunate it was wasted in this movie. This was slow. <laughs> um, I, look, I felt it was just, as I said before, it was glacier slow. It, we got no conclusion. It kind of went. You must have just had no, like, you had no football on your phone at the same time, this movie, and so it felt longer than <laughs> the other I movies. I I had football on my phone. Um, yeah. No, look, I mean, and Trine felt the same. We <laughs> finished this and it's like, oof. That was a drag. But, um, 
Yeah, so it, it there was no under, under two hours. Yeah, I that's the only saving yeah, grace, but it felt like two and a half. That was the problem. Um, <laughs> it, it's this is how it felt for fugitive for me. So you know, yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. It's uh, we had great performances, but it, we had no conclusion. It was slow, and yeah, I don't know. It just didn't resonate with me. So I gave it a six, seven. Yeah, I was too. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon. It, well, look, if we had a conclusion, I reckon it might have been a seven. And I, I tried mm-hmm. to be as nice as I could and gave it a six. So it's a six yeah. from me. Well, it was too real to have a. You know, they're not going to find a kilo. If it's not. It's no, not. not after seven months, but still, give me something. It just. So half a point behind Ghostbusters, Scotty. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn. Um. So I really liked this movie when I first watched it, but I think watching it a second time has changed my opinion slightly, especially reading a lot about it um, and just um, having things pointed out in in my reading about all the things that are wrong with this film, which there are a lot of. um, If you you want to recap some of those? Sorry? You want to recap some of those? Yeah. um, Sure. Let me put it just here. And I'm curious what this is, Glenn. This is still faster than what the last. I think I've gone was. through. I've gone through a lot of it. I've already mentioned a lot of the things that um, that that I don't like about this movie. Um, I guess one of the other ones is what is the point of Peter Dink Peter Dinklage's character? Like that sort that story sort of just fizzles out and the only point of him being there is to just get abused and um show how bad characters are around him like mm. yeah that's a good point uh, didn't really see a point of, of of that um the abusive husband who she's like five minutes later she's holding his hand and being nice to him and um um i'm trying to get through there's a lot here but i can't just scroll quickly Anyway, yeah. there's a lot, yeah. <clears throat> um, which I'm not even in the right thing I wanted to look at. Uh, anyway, Perhaps. my score is six out of ten. That's interesting, Glenn, because you effectively gave it a nine out of ten mm. earlier on Little. Yes. Yep. Yep. That's true. But yeah, I guess watching it again and then read and re- looking into it and. The priest scene really bugged me. That mm. it just come out. It was just like you could cut it, and it doesn't add to the movie. You could cut it, and it wouldn't change the movie at all. No, you know? that's true. Um, so just things like that. A lot of and and Sam Rockwell. The fact that I'm supposed to be yeah. I'm, at the end of the movie, I'm supposed to be like yeah. Let's go. Let go do it, guys. But he's just such a bad person, and he doesn't get what he deserves in the end. He just. Gets offered some orange juice by the guy he beat up, and that changes him. Well, he got burnt by five minutes later. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, six yeah. six out of ten. Six out of ten because it is good, and I loved the conclusion. <laughs> right, um, Michael, over to you. Uh, I mean, it's interesting, and this is what I love about our podcast is that you get such in, you know diverse kind of opinions. I think. Um, well, as much two as sixes. Two completely different this, ways of getting to those sixes. You love it. I loved all yeah. these things, but then I didn't like these bits, and I give it a six. <laughs> um, these this film is really, you know, whilst it 
it says, you know, you said crime drama, Scott. I think this is really a character study, if anything. Like, you know, it's, um, you know, we do get some, the complexities of, like, you know, of real people in some ways. Um, the, you know, uh, we see um, Mildred burn a lot of kind of opportunities for, like, you know, people trying to reach out to her. Um, and that happened with both the priest and um, Peter Dinklage's character. Um, and, you know, we see, like, you know, moments of hope, but we also see, like, you know, um, moments of despair. That's kind of... It's really weird, Glenn, your video goes going really slow. and just kind of your eyes just bugging out. Um, so whilst it, like, you know, it did frustrate me that the um, the conclusion was ambiguous, um, I did I did enjoy it. Like, there were moments of, like, you know, real drama and, like, humanity and... Um, and startling language. Uh, but ultimately, I'm going for a Scotty special with a Ooh. seven. Nice. All right. So mm. with a six from me, a six from Glenn, and a seven from Michael, that gives us a score of 19. So that puts us in the, that puts it in the equal fourth spot, which is equal with Out of Sight and Whiplash. Uh, obviously, our... our Highest rated movie so far is Get Out on 25.5, Pulp Fiction on 22 and Contagion on 20.5. It's very very noticeable that the scores seem to be a lot lower this season. Well, we've done all the good movies. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, the cream of the crop is done. Um, So so basically you're saying don't worry about (laughs) listening to our podcast anymore, guys. All the good movies are done. Is that what you're saying? It's No. Well, well, our favourite movies are done. <laughs> Let's, yeah. I'll pick <laughs> a good one. Either. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, that. Um, no, it's, it's, but I don't think necessarily the movies are any worse. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we'll just become critics. Yeah, maybe we we'll become, we'll, we'll we become the things we hate. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, on to socials. Obviously, we can be found at cinematicleap.com, fantastic website that has all of our podcasts. You can listen to it from there. Um you can listen through it, whichever provider you want. Well, I think there's five or six on there that you can listen through. Um, obviously, we are on Twitter. I'm going to call it Twitter because I'm old and I hate change, so we're going to continue to call it Twitter. Um, we are on there. Handle is at Cinematic Leap. We're on Facebook. Just search for Cinematic Leap. Well, obviously, we do ask that you rate and review our podcast, please, and obviously share it with your friends. Indeed. Michael, it's now time for our... Cinematic Leap. All right. So, Michael, you get to sit this one out, and I get to choose the leap. I do. And then Glenn gets to choose the movie. Although, may I suggest uh, Peter Dinklage? You've already said you love him. You know, he's good. And that way, Glenn, then you can pick uh, Death at a Funeral, which is a, a funny British film. Or it might be the American version with Chris Rock. Who knows? All right. Well, that's not going to happen. Um, I haven't put a lot of thought into this. Um, he's an actor that I like. I don't often choose an actor. Normally, I quite go, go down to the more of obscure casting director, but this time we're just going to go Woody Harrelson. <laughs> I enjoy him in most things Woody I've Harrelson. seen. So <clears throat> I'll look back to Total Recall, and That's... I reckon I probably, in some ways, I probably should have picked Arnie, although that did, we actually ended up getting to Pulp Fiction with who I picked, which I was happy with. But uh, yeah, Glenn, Woody Harrelson. Oh, he's done a lot of mm. stuff. He does he's done a lot, a lot of stuff. stuff. <gasps> Zombie Land. Zombie Land. 
So a movie came out last year that I really wanted to see at the cinema and I didn't get to go because there were things happening. And um, But it won the Palm d'Or at Cannes Festival last year. And it's called Triangle of Sadness. And you're lucky I watched it a few weeks ago because I would have picked that. And you guys would have <laughs> probably not liked it. <laughs> if, you think, <laughs> if you think this was long, <laughs> watch that and, you, and you'll see what I'm going to do. 147 minutes already, obviously. Is it? Yeah. No, it's 147 oh, sorry. minutes. Sorry. Yeah. Mm, which is um, almost three hours. Though. Now you see me. Great film. You do. You did say yeah, you wanted to see Magic Mike because you liked magician films. So I do like. like yes. You can see. There's two um, of them there. The people versus Nancy Larry Flint. Two. <laughs> mm. um, Go back to the uh, back to the um, Star Wars well and do Solo. That's not a bad film. <gasps> Love that film. I mean, it got a bad rap. <clears throat> Absolutely, I reckon it's one of the really good instalment. I don't know why people didn't like it. It's fun. Ah, it's because people Stupid. are yeah. people in the Star Wars, you know, fandom is a weird. It's like that's rubbish, and then like twenty years later, they go, "That was amazing." So Solo will have its day. Zombieland, Money Train. Hmm. Um, I'm scrolling pretty far through, but I'm going to go back to the top. Um, I've seen Zombieland, and I really liked it, but I haven't seen the second Zombieland. Yeah. Is that no good? That's no, great. I haven't seen that one either. Actually. I might go. <laughs> I might go for. Um, let's go for Zombieland Double Tap. Nice. Is that the yeah. second one? That is the second yeah. one. All right, Zombieland Two. Yep. Let's do that. Yep. Nice. I mean, obviously we could have gone Zombieland, but Zombieland Two is just. Well, as I haven't. Well, I might watch the first one as well because I can't I remember. It. But I remember. Yeah, I say, I've seen Zombieland. I saw that not that long ago, and I quite enjoyed it. Um, so I'm looking forward to yeah. I didn't get to see that. I haven't watched the second one yet. So, uh, and it's on binge for anyone who's got that mm-hmm. or Foxtel or Blu-ray if you're that kind of guy. I should have I, sh- I should have gone Austin Powers because it's in my top one of my top movies. But um, no, we'll is, go Zombieland. Oh, I haven't seen it. Beautiful. All right, guys. So next time oh, you listen there. to our podcast, we will be reviewing the movie Zombieland Double Tap, the second instalment of the Zombieland movies. Huzzah. Thanks all for listening. Take the Chevy to the living. And like that, he's gone. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Cinematic League.